Joshua chapter, 20, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Let's go ahead. You stay seated, but let's read this out loud together and we'll break when we need to. Let's go ahead and just follow along. If you've got it in your Bible, you can look up on the screen and it says, let's read it together. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's read that last part that's highlighted. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Thank you so much for all the things you've given us. I think of Reba right now and just be with Mrs. Moody as she's with her, with her um, sister at this time. Lord, you know exactly what needs to happen in this situation. Give her the peace and the comfort that she needs, Lord, and, and just be with the family today. And I think as we look at this story of serving the Lord, Lord, may we get back to as for me. We've got to make a choice, Lord, and we thank, we're so thankful for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to be in church on Easter. Um, I was just thinking of Mrs. Moody. She's with her, her, her sister today. And um, the title of the message on Easter is called Alone. I think that's one of the saddest things that Christ had to do is he had to be by himself. In fact, the two people that he was with, they were thieves, but he was all alone. And it shows that even in the scriptures when it gets dark. I want to encourage you to be here on Easter and just pray and invite someone to come. Next week, we'll have cards for you to pass out to your friends and family to invite them. It's hard to believe April is right around the corner. I think two days ago was the first day of spring and it's going to get warmer, praise the Lord. It wasn't warm this morning. How many of you got up real early this morning? Anybody? I got out, I was telling, I think I was telling Gary that I got out this morning and there was something on my windshield, so I pushed that windshield fluid on my thing and I was driving down the road and my windshield froze up from that water that you put on your windshield. So praise the Lord for that. Um, and so praise God, it's just getting cold and hopefully it'll get warmer as we go. But I want you to think about some of the things that we've looked at. We've looked at Rehoboam and he started out good and ended up bad and now we're looking at his, his, um, his father and we looked at Solomon a little bit and we talked about this last week that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, or of course wrote Song of Solomon. He also wrote some of the Proverbs. And it, when he talked about Ecclesiastes, we looked at this last, time, last week, but Ecclesiastes, he said he went through all these things that he thought he would find happiness with and never found happiness. Remember the little statement in Ecclesiastes, if you ever read it, vanity of vanity, saith the Lord. He realized everything that he could have, and he was the wealthiest man. He was the wisest man at the time. And at that point, he had everything he could have. He tried everything. And at the very end, he wrote the last two verses of Ecclesiastes. And it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, this is not working very well. Ecclesiastes chapter, if I turn it on, it works better. Okay, here we go. Um, I thought, I thought it worked last time and he was doing it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. I want you to look at these, these verses. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So he writes this whole chapter, the whole book in the Bible, and he says this. Let's the conclusion of the whole matter is this. Let us hear it. It's interesting that he says it because we need to follow it too. But it says this. It says, fear God and keep his commandments. We all know that it says that, but fearing God and keeping his commandments. Why are we supposed to do that? Because it's, for this is the whole duty of man. It's not 90%, it's not 85%, it's 100% of what we've got to do. And so when you look at this verse in Ecclesiastes, it's the whole matter and the whole duty. But then it goes on to say this, For God shall bring every work into judgment. 
God watches us. He knows exactly what we, what we do, what we don't do. He'll bring it into judgment. It also says, and every secret thing. Do you realize that everything that you do in secret is not a secret to God? There's two people. I, I've used that many times. If you've ever worked with kids in education, it's, it's, especially when you're dealing with Christian education, it's always interesting to walk up to them and say, I know you do it, did it, and I have a witness. I would never tell them that witness was Jesus, but that I had a witness. And they would come to me and say, okay, I did it, I shouldn't have done it. I knew they had done it. And Jesus had known they had done it, amen? And so we have this, that every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, whether it's something we do good or whether it's something we do evil, God knows what we've done. So you say, well, what are we going to look at with this? We're going to look the whole matter and the whole duty. Sometimes we fear things that are not there. Right? Have you ever done, how many of you ever done the animals on the, if you did that with your fingers, would it end up like, that way? No. That's something that we, we fear things. How many of you are scared of something? Spiders? Anybody scared of spiders in here? How about mice? Snakes. I've been on those places where they'll say, here, touch the snake. Uh-uh. I ain't going to touch the snake. I don't even like to touch a dead snake. There's things that we should fear. And here it says the whole matter, what is fear? What happens when fear takes over? Well, there's a couple things. We're going to look at three aspects of it in just a second. But we've got to look at the whole matter. The whole matter is this, fearing God and keeping His commandments. I always equate this as when I was a young child. When I did what my mom and dad told me to do, it was okay when I saw them. When I didn't do what my mom and dad told me to do, it wasn't okay when I saw them. And sometimes, I don't know if it was the look on my face, they could read right through me to say, hey, what have you been up to? But God tells us that we're supposed to fear Him and keep His commandments. What are three aspects getting into this? Fearing God will do three things. You know the first thing it will do? It'll change your attitude. What does that mean? It's going to make you who you're going to be because when you realize that God is watching you and keeping an accurate record on your life, it will change your attitude because you'll fear Him. You'll say, well, what's the second point? Second point is very like the first point. It will change your attitude. Point number one and point number two are the same, and I'll show you what I mean by that in just a second. And the third thing is this, that it will keep you on target. You ever talk to somebody and they chase rabbits everywhere? I mean, you'll just be talking and also they'll go off in another direction and pretty soon they're not even close to where they began. You ever lost your target of where you're going? Have you ever lost your direction of where you're going? You know, God has, how many of you believe that God has a will for your life? Would you raise your hand? How many of you believe sometimes you get off that will? And sometimes we just get unfocused on what we're doing. And sometimes it's not a bad thing. It's just day-to-day -day routine. We get in, we think, okay, this is going to be okay, this is going to be okay. Then all of a sudden we realize, hey, we're supposed to be doing something. Have you ever missed an appointment? Have you ever lied about missing that appointment? Mm -hmm. Well, I was real busy. No, you were at home not thinking about what you had in your, in your you weren't staying on target. I'll never forget I went through my police academy when I was at my last ministry. 
so I could carry a firearm at the Christian school that I was at. And I'll never forget when we got on the firing range that um, there was, a, there was a, a cadet that was in front of me that when this person laid down, they had their finger on their trigger and it was still in the holster and I was sitting right behind them with one in the chamber. You know what her target was? My head. I saw it. I dove off to the other side. The other guy behind me, we were, you could just see people diving all different directions because she had her finger on the trigger in her holster and it was ready to go. And you were never supposed to put your finger on that trigger. You know what her target was? The target was in front of her, but she was pointing directly due behind her. Later on, we'd get up there and she'd draw her gun and thank God we had Glocks because it didn't go off. She drew her gun and dropped it. And it went flying. It was bouncing. Everybody's taking, taking cover, taking cover. We thought we were going to die on this thing. I mean, this particular person had no idea how to keep target. They give us these rubber guns that we'd carry all along. And the, and the officers would come behind us, try to steal our guns from us and throw it out in the middle and embarrass us. We go to the driving, we go to the, the shooting, not the driving range, the shooting range. And we're another time, this is the same person. We're supposed to go and we're supposed to change in our red guns, a red rubber gun, to a real gun, which is a Glock, 9mm, and we're supposed to put it in our holster. We get up there and we're re re ready to shoot target, and he, he tells us what we're supposed to do. He says go, and everybody draws their weapon and we start firing. We look over and she's like three away from us, and she's still got her red gun pointing at a target. I'm like, what are you thinking? We got down to the final, and, and, and there, was, there was three of us. There was a, a, a Catholic, a Baptist preacher, that was me, and a Methodist. And we all didn't want to shoot by her. So I looked at him, and I said, and I took a chance on this, I said, God, please let me win at this one. I said, we're going to see which, which, which one of us is correct, and we're going to pray this through, and whoever has to shoot with her is not correct. And they were like, yep, amen, preacher, we'll do that. Thank God me and the Catholic didn't have to shoot by her. We stayed as far away from her as we possibly could. You know why? Because she never really understood the target. She was just wandering all the way through it. But the problem is with the target that she was shooting at, it could have hurt us. I'll never forget that feeling when I looked up and that barrel was pointed right at me and her finger was on the target. On, on the, I'll never forget that. She was pointing at the wrong target. You know, if we, don't, if we fear God... He'll keep us on target. He'll be the thing that draws us back to where we need to go. He'll, it'll change your attitude. It'll change your attitude. and It'll keep you on target. Let's look at three stories in the Bible real quick. And I want to show you and illustrate this to you so you understand what's going on with it. David's attitude was changed when he feared God. When I say David's name, most people think of Goliath. It's the first thing they're going to think of. And then the second thing usually they think of is, is what? Bathsheba. That was a bad, bad time in his life. But you know what David did that we have the capability of doing and the ability to do if we want to? Is we can change our attitude if we understand who God is and we fear him. Because here's some verses that I think sum up David's life totally. Psalm 139. If you ever read a psalm and you want to read a, the best psalm David, that David ever wrote, I think it's this psalm. This is about searching who he was. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. When's the last time we truly did that? But David did it. And he was a man that had done this with Bathsheba. And this is actually in correlation with the, the story of Bathsheba. He had to renew this relationship with, with, with God because he had broken it with what he had done. 
He had actually had a wrong relationship with the lady. He'd had a child out of wedlock. He had killed her husband. And he had to get that, that relationship back. And how did he do it? This verse right here. Search me, O God. And not just know, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Get down in this and help me with this. See, it changes attitude. Look at the next verse. It says, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying, listen, if there's anything wrong in me, take it out and make me what I need to be. This should be a permanent prayer request that we have at Bible Baptist is this verse, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Because he started out with this chapter and he said this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. It didn't matter what God had done in the past. It only mattered what God is doing in the present. And that's how he changes. That's the first verse in the, in the book. The last one is search me, O God. He's asking God to do this. It changed his attitude. Well, you say you said that twice because you know what? We need to change our attitude. The second one is this. Adam's attitude was changed when the fear of God came to him. We've got to change our attitude. Who is Adam in the Bible? The first one that was ever created, right? Was his attitude ever changed when he saw God? Absolutely it was. He didn't fear God. He did when it was all over. Look at these verses. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, And the eyes of them both were open. And they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Before this time, they had no idea what sin was. Remember as a child when your mom said, don't touch that? What did you want to do? Touch it. Anybody ever done? Who did that when your mom told you not to do that? Mom ever tell you not to eat, um, what, desserts before? Man, sometimes I'll go home and just rebel against my mom. I'll eat the dessert first, then I'll eat the meal. Amen. You know, sometimes your sins take a little bit longer to come up, surface on, on God. My mom, and, my mom had polished a brass bed. It was my sister's bed. I just had a wooden one. We still have that brass bed somewhere. Some, one of our families has, has it now. She used brasso on it, cleaned it all up, and here's what she said. Don't touch it. You don't tell that to a boy. And so, I, I don't know why I did this. I'd seen someone do this. I licked my thumb. And I went right to the middle of that bat, brass bed in the bottom and stuck my thumb on it. And I remember what she said. Oh, it'll, it'll make the bed turn a different color. I looked at my sister and said, it doesn't work. She said it, would, it didn't change anything. Three days later, she brought me and my sister in and said, can I ask you a question? Who did this? I was like, what are you talking about? We didn't do anything. All of a sudden, I look up there, and there's a little circle about this big. My thumb was a little bit smaller, about this big. Problem was, it had my fingerprint on it, too. Because sometimes we're not supposed to touch things, and you know what we do? Isn't that what God told Adam and Eve not to do? Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Don't touch it. And what their attitude was, oh, God's not here. And Satan always plays that game. Oh, you don't have to fear God. You don't have to, you don't have to follow His commandments. Don't fear Him. It will be all right. Can I tell you something? It's not all right not to follow His commandments. And why you follow Him is because you fear what God will do. And don't be scared of God because when you're doing everything, you're doing what God wants you to do, it's the best place you'll ever be. 
It's when you're not doing what God wants and you're not fearing Him, guess what? It's going to affect you. Watch how it affected them. It changed their attitude because they have been talking to God and talking to God and talking to God. Now look at this one. And they heard the voice of God, Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Their attitude changed. All of a sudden, they were in great relationship with the Lord, walking and talking with Him. And can you imagine talking to God? You say, well, I talk to God. I talk to God, but He doesn't talk vocally back to me. But I can't imagine as I'm walking along and all of a sudden I hear God's voice. He just tells me, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Just don't do that. And I go and do this. And what happens is I hide myself from Him. My attitude changes when I don't fear God. Bernard and I were having a conversation before the service. I'll just be very blunt with you. I was looking out, and I saw all the people over on the baseball diamond. That breaks my heart on Sunday. Breaks my heart. And it's going to grow and grow and grow. But we were, I guess you and I are old fogies, brother, because we were talking about when we were young, what would happen? I can remember, if you're young in here, I can remember when things weren't open on Sunday. I can. I can remember when fast food restaurants were shut down. But you know, I think that we've gotten to the point where we just don't sometimes fear God about what He's doing. If the Lord came back on a Sunday, I wonder how many people would be in the Lord's house. We don't fear Him anymore. And He has a commandment. What's the, what's, what's, you say, well, it's not one of the major commandments. It's one of the top ten. Right? What's the fourth one? Remember the Sabbath to what? Keep it holy. It's amazing that we don't do this anymore. We don't fear Him as much as we should. How many of you believe that America fears God as much as we should? We don't. How many would you say Christians in America fear God as much as they, they don't? It'll change your attitude. See, their attitude was, hey, I can hide from Him. Can you hide from God? You can't hide from God. That's why when I read that story in Jonah, what's, what's he, what, when Jonah gets on the boat, what does he do? He says, I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord, which is impossible. God is everywhere at all times. We're going through doctrines on Sunday night. And one of the doctrines when it says God, and we've looked at Jesus, and, and, we've looked, and now we're looking at the Holy Spirit, they're everywhere at all times. They're all powerful, all knowing. And so when we study this and we see it, we look at this and we say he could, he could hide from him. He could hide from his voice, but he can't hide from his presence. And his attitude totally changed. So we have Adam, his attitude changed, David's attitude changed, and the last thing I want you to look at is the third person, and, it, and it's Paul. Paul, Paul's life was on target when he feared God. Now you talk about a man that changed targets. He was at first targeting Christians, and then he became a Christian, and he was trying to get more people to be like him. There's a verse that he writes in this. He kept, you, he kept, it keeps you on target when you fear God. The, first, the verse that I look at is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. What he's saying here is, I'm about ready to die, and I want you to know this. And who's he talking to here? He's talking to a young preacher by the name of Timothy, and he says, My time is, is, is about over, and I'm going to pass away. 
I've had the privilege of being around somebody that was a, was a godly saint and see them go into, into glory, and it was a great thing. But I've seen the exact opposite. I've been, in, I've been in bedrooms where they were yelling, they were screaming, and, and they, they didn't know what they were doing, and you try to witness to them and try to witness to them, and they didn't have Christ in the heart. It was a totally different situation. But Paul says here, for I am now ready to be offered. My departure is at hand. The thing that we don't know is we don't know how long we're going to live. Right? There are always people in obituaries that are younger than me. You know, every time I talk to my dad, he'll talk about the obituaries. He's 87 years old. I think I was telling Wayne this today or somebody that he'll always look at me and he'll go, oh, they're old, they're 91. I'm like, dad, you're 87. You're four years away from that, amen? <laughs> but he looks and sees who passes away and here Paul's saying, and the time of my departure is at hand. Now watch this. This is how his, his, his target was on, on point. The next verse in this says this. I have fought a good fight I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. You know the one thing, Larry, that I just want to do to my kids? I want them to see me being the same, same way I was when I was 35 years old, when I was 45 years old, when I'm 55 years old, when I'm 65 years old, and when I'm ready to go on. I want them to see that I have fought a good fight. What does that mean? There's something worth fighting for. It will keep you on target when you understand the fear of God. Not only will it keep you on target for the good fight, it will make you finish the course that you've set, set. You ever met somebody that never finishes anything? I know sometimes I've got to drive my wife crazy with some of the projects I do at my house. Because you get to a point where you go, man, that's a hard part. We need to bring a professional in, amen? I'm going to call Alan and have him fix it, amen? Alan has spent so much time at my house, he gets his mail at my house, amen? <laughs> Sometimes we need someone else to help in a situation. But in this he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now watch this last one. I have kept the faith. He did not waver because he understood what fearing God was. He did not waver because his attitude was right. He did not waver because he kept the commandments that God had given him. You say, well, I don't know the commandments. You know what? They're written in 66 books of the Bible. 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. 1,189 chapters in the Bible will tell you how to live. But you just got to read it. You got to fear him and read it. And I wrote this in the front of my Bible. I think it's in this Bible too. This is what I want in my life. I have cubed. I have three times. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's what I want my kids to look at when they see me. You say, well, what happens if you don't? Well, let's look at this. How many of you believe the Bible? I'm going to wait until I see. How many of you believe what the Bible says? Oh, yeah, I'm looking around, looking around, looking around. All right. It's funny. It's like the wave. You guys put them down when I go over here. No, I want to see everybody's hand. Let me see. Okay. Oh, we all believe the Bible, so let's look and see what the Bible says. If we truly believe the Bible, we're going to follow what the Bible says. Because there's that last verse that we've got to look at. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. We know we're supposed, we're supposed to fear God. How many of you believe we're supposed to fear God? How many of you believe we're supposed to keep His commandments? How many know it's the whole duty? It's what we're supposed to do. Everybody knows everybody's like, oh, get over this. I want you to understand in your heart and in your mind that God wants us to follow it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, 14 that God shall bring every work into judgment. If you believe the Bible, you believe that verse because it's part of the Bible. He's going to bring everything that we do into judgment. 
He's going to look at it. He kn- and you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. There's been times when my parents have asked me sometimes when I was younger what I did and sometimes I would not tell them the truth. And sometimes they would buy it. But you can't do that with God. Because He's going to bring everything in judgment. With every secret thing. And whether it be good or whether it be evil, He keeps an accurate record. So if we fear God and keep His commandments, we don't have to worry about verse 14. Right? Because we're going to be doing what's right. There's no one in here that's perfect. But what you've got to get back to understanding is when you fear God, if you do something wrong, it pulls you back into God's God's realm. And God will say, hey, you need to work on this. I don't know about you, but there's times when I read my Bible, it's like, oh, man, why did that have to be in there this day to read it? Because God, all God's doing is saying, you were wrong, get it right, and have the, the, the relationship restored with me. And let me put it on a personal level really quick. When you have ought against a brother, ought against somebody, how do you get that relationship restored? By forgiving and by forgetting sometimes. If you're not willing to do that, your relationship with people will never be right. And I want to apply this to you. If you can't get your relationship with people right, do you really think you can get it with a Heavenly Father that knows everything that you've done? It's a lot harder to keep this relationship restored because He knows everything that I do. And He knows why I did it. Because I can go up to Daniel and say, hey, Daniel, how you doing? And pat him on the back saying, you're doing such a great job. And what are you doing next Saturday? And Because we're moving and I want your help with that. You know, and, I'm, and I'm motivating him to help me. And he doesn't even know it sometimes. Okay, I'll help you, you know. That's how he is. Okay, I'll help you. And then when he helps me, I, he doesn't even know sometimes I've tricked him. And I'm just saying this as a personal level. I don't do this with Daniel, okay? But I'm saying that's what we do to people, isn't it? We have our own motivation, and we ask people to help us and do things for the wrong reasons, and sometimes people don't even know it. But God does. God not only knows what you've done, He knows why you did it. And sometimes it's just in your mind and no one else knows it, but God knows it. And you know what I like about it? Is when Jesus is on the earth, how many times did people have a problem with him and they were, saying, they were, they were thinking things in their mind and he turned around and answered their question while they were thinking about it? I want to tell you something. We have a very powerful God and this verse shows you that what he did in the New Testament in Christ with the people is what he does in the Old Testament with everybody in the world. Whether they be good or whether they be bad, God knows who we are. So my question to you is this. If you believe the Bible, you've got to fear God, you've got to keep His commandments. It's the whole duty to do that. It's what God wants us to do. There's no other option. We've got to do it. You say, well, the Bible's so hard to keep. Yes, but it'll be worth it all at the very end. And you've got to see it. 
Do you fear God? Do you keep his commandments? Because if you don't, remember this, he's keeping an accurate record of what we're doing. And if you're doing what's right, everything's okay. But if you're doing what's wrong, you know what he wants you to do? Get back on target and understand that God is a God that loves you. And he cares so much for you. He died alone on a cross for my sin. He died alone on a cross for your sin. And it was a very painful death. And he did it because he loved you. So it's not much to ask for us to fear him. And it's not much to ask to keep his commandments. Because when you keep his commandments, you're in the safest place you'll ever be. With every head bowed and every eye closed. With no one looking around, let me say this. You know why the missionaries can go off into foreign fields? They, they, they basically leave their families here. Grandparents sometimes don't get to see their kids as much. Aunts and uncles don't get to spend much time with them. Siblings don't get to see their siblings. Brothers and sisters might not see each other for a long time. How can they do this? How can they not do it if God tells them to do it? They just need to fear God and keep His commandments. I don't know what God's going to have you do. But I, know to, I do know that God wants you to keep His commandments. I do know that He wants you to follow His Word. Because that's what the Bible says. It's not what Pastor Wagner says, it's what the Bible says. When's the last time we just thanked Him for giving us the directions that we need? When's the last time we thanked him for all the things that he's done for us? When's the last time we thanked him for the ability to fear him because he's better than us? He knows us more.